Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, I'm Andrew Jupin. Eric Siska. Steven Shadak. And we hate movies. everyone welcome to we hate movies on the sideshow network thank you for tuning in as always if you're new to the program thank you for checking us out this is a it's a fine time to jump in because we're talking about an embarrassingly low-grade science fiction film it's from 1989 it's called moontrap it's directed by a guy named bob dyke and uh let me tell you this is like the most fun I've had on, like, a scale of the shittiest thing I've ever seen. Like, this movie's laughably terrible, but I had a good time watching it. It's kind of like Chopping Mall in space a little bit, right? It, yeah, mm-hmm. it is very much Chopping Mall Goes to the Moon. <laughs> the long-awaited sequel. It is uh, Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um and let me say this, by the way, this is our first time on the air since this has happened, but R.I.P. Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Not to bring the room down too much, but uh, what a fucking tragedy that was. He was a great guy. It's kind of the elephant in the room with when you're talking Star Trek at this point, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, totally. So we just thought we'd acknowledge that. Now, anyway, uh, Chekhov's here. He, now he's sitting in Kirk's chair. He's the captain of this movie, and he's <laughs> loving it. Yikes. He's just rolling around in this. <laughs> uh, and then playing second fiddle, unfortunately. Unfortunately, is Bruce Campbell second fiddle to fucking Chekhov? Good God! <laughs> but wow, you know, just seeing, seeing, I always like spotting young Bruce Campbell in the yeah. wild. Yeah, totally. You know? you know the thing about a young Bruce Campbell that I realized looking at like Burn Notice era and you know Twitter enthusiast era Bruce Campbell, young Bruce Campbell is not. At full chin capacity yet. No. Right. You, it's like the early stages of that chin, but that moneymaker was still a few years away. Well, he kind of looks like the killing joke joker in this thing. You're absolutely right. If he was doing failed stand-up comedy, <laughs> he could be the joker. I mean, and this is kind of a weird thing where, like, clearly, like, Chekhov was the get for yeah. this movie. And, like, even some of the posters I looked at is, like... Featuring Walter Koenig or Walter Koenig uh, of Star Trek, like literally, yeah. they were able to put Star Trek on the poster, and that was a big sell for the Moon Trap audience. And let's be clear, gang: the sell is Star Trek. The sell is not <laughs> Koenig. Okay, <laughs> Chekhov's not selling a ticket. They would have put Chekhov on the poster if they could have, but they had to put his real name, <laughs> starring Chekhov of Star Trek. <laughs> And then, you know, Bruce Campbell's like the comic relief, you know, like he's the cheap uh, comic relief. Like someone saw Evil Dead 2 and was like, "Eh, yeah, exactly. It it wasn't he wasn't doing horror conventions yet or anything like, you know, what I mean, he didn't. I I mean, maybe he was, but like 
he didn't make that wave of like now I'm the B movie actor that everybody loves and you know what I mean like I'm owning it like he was just a working actor at this point he was just a dude making yeah. movies mm-hmm. um and so th- this is a movie that he made <laughs> I wonder because Bruce Campbell's a kind of guy like he'll you know rip on himself a lot and whatnot I wonder if you were like hey Bruce do you remember Moon Trap what he would have to say about it I'm gonna resurrect a segment here uh, whoa called- whoa. Off the box uh, wow. for those I don't even know. Super fan, tell me the last time we yeah. did this. It must be hundreds of episodes. A- 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 ask your parents who are fans. <laughs> your parents who grew up listening to We Hate Movies. Because I know nowadays it's not your mama's We Hate Movies. But... Yeah, no, that's true. We've changed so much. Uh, but I actually bought the DVD. Uh, I didn't get a digital file or buy it off iTunes like usual. I I, I had to go out and buy physical media for this one. Steve Sadak's a guy who likes a disc in hand. Uh, Moontrap Anniversary Edition, by the way. So I will say that... Anniversary of what? It's failed box office performance? There are no less than three major lies in this in this <laughs> writing. Now, now for folks at home who don't remember off the box, it's literally what it sounds like. We got the VHS or DVD box and read things off of it. Literally off the box. So here we go. Moon Trap. A 1980s cult movie phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Moon Trap stars Bruce Campbell and Walter K- Koenig. Nope. Uh, Star Trek's original checkoff, by the way, because this is this is a post JJ Abrams yes. DVD. No, you got to put original checkoff because the kids are going to think it's what's Anton that Yelkin. Yeah, uh, that came way too easy for you. <laughs> As astronauts sent to the moon to investigate the evidence of what appears to be signs of human life, they reanimate the body of a woman, uh, Lee Lombardi who warns them that the moon is under control of a race of alien cyborgs which have been awaiting their opportunity to stage their invasion of Earth. The humans... That's another huge lie, by the way. It's a huge lie because the woman says, like, two words. The humans realize that the the desperate measures must be taken to halt the cyborgs' departure from the moon, even if it ends in their own destruction. Here comes another huge lie. This movie's great. Recognized today as one of the most influential indie (laughs) horror films of its decade, Moontrap is presented for the first time in its intended theatrical aspect ratio and original monaural soundtrack. Well, thank God we got the monaural soundtrack on there, you guys. It was remastered in HD by Olive Films in 2014 specifically for this release, and man, does it look like shit. (laughs) Still, Still to this day. I mean, Olive Films does some decent work. Like they've they've put sure. out some stuff. Moontrap is not one of those things. This movie, there's no amount of digital restoring you can do to not make this look like a huge piece of shit. But that therein lies its charm. <laughs> and that yes, at the same time, I'm conflicted about this because it's the exact reason for me having such a good time with this movie is because it's so hilariously shitty. It's really bad. We're talking puppets on a <laughs> shitty moon set going around mm. on a little dozer oh, machine. The amount of toys used in this movie oh, yeah. is hilarious. It's insane. I think there's um, Nerf guns at some point. <laughs> but also, speaking of that, I read a little behind-the-scenes action. That, oh, shit. That the, the moon sets and the moon dust... Was all just concrete. 
du- you know, concrete dust. And there's oh. like warnings, like do not bring any liquids on set because it's just going to turn to rock. Also, that's exactly what you want to be breathing into your 70% water body. <laughs> just yeah. breathe in those concrete fumes, everybody. Uh-huh. So we start with. Is that where the chin came from? What? He, he's breathed in so much concrete. Who? Bruce Campbell. Oh. <laughs> that, it, that, that the chin formed. Oh, that could be. Because it's. Cut out of stone. Right? I mean, yeah, we, maybe we have Moon Trap to thanks for to thank for Bruce Campbell's awesome chin. I don't know. Who do we have to thank for uh, Walter Kading's awesome toupee? Out of curiosity, the prop department from Star Trek that let him borrow that tribble that's on his head, and that's a Steve Sadak joke that he texted me last night. Credit where credits due, thank but I, I I didn't want it to fall through the cracks. But it does look like a fucking tribble on his head. It's a dead cat on that man's head, and it's disgusting. Um, so we start with. <laughs> I guess basically that Apollo 18 movie, kind of. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're right. We have, we've got the actual footage of the moon landing, Neil and Buzz and the other guy that nobody remembers, and they're all, you know, up there. We get the you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, and then up comes this little robot head, oh and he's just God. like, who is landing on our planet? Well, that looks shitty. And then it just goes back under the moon sand. And then I guess they go back to Earth and everything's fine until until we get to this part of time. Which, yeah, we don't know <laughs> when this takes place. I think, I honestly think it's just 1989. I feel like there is a throwaway line somewhere in there yeah. about, you know, we haven't been up to the moon in 20 years yes. or something. Okay. So I think it, it's supposed to be... Because, like, the technology that they're using, space shuttle-wise, yeah, is nothing... It's what we still have now. It's shuttles and rovers and all of those things. No laser guns or anything. No, they literally bring machine guns to the moon, which we'll get to <laughs> later in the film. I like to call that Chekhov's gun. <laughs> Chekhov's moon machine gun? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then we just we flash forward to... Uh, let's just agree that it's 1989. Sure. Bruce Campbell and uh, Chekhov are in this space shuttle, and it's a whole lot of like uh, Chekhov's just like talking to shuttle command. This is while the credits are going on, like over black. It's just him being like, "Hey, how's it going over there, Houston?" And like oh, forever. Man. And what I realized is, uh, I don't think I've seen Walter Koenig in anything except Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, because when I saw this movie, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's Canadian. He's not." <laughs> A Russian actor. I've only seen him play Chekhov. I, maybe there's something that I'm like missing, but this was the first time I heard this, you know, just not Russian accent and was thrown for like 10 minutes. You know, up from down after that. <laughs> I was really thrown for a loop, man. I don't know. I, you know, I saw it and I was just like, oh, yeah, of course he never played anyone but Chekhov. <laughs> <laughs> and of course that accent was totally made up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a bad Russian accent, yeah. but when you only hear someone yeah, talk, yeah. no matter how terrible the accent is, true. you're like, oh, all right, that, that's what that is. Uh, so, yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm missing things like steaks. And then, like, this this sassy, like, NASA control dude is just like, oh, I'll make you a reservation at Peter Luger's for when you get back. And I'm just like, I don't need this fucking space banter. And he calls himself a truck driver, too, which I don't understand. Like, what is he? what are they even doing in space? That's the thing that's not really addressed. And that was the, like, I, I don't know. It's a thing where they're, like, picking up space garbage, I feel. <laughs> 
Really? I, I think so because they're like, I, okay, they're like, here's the next thing that you have to get. It's coming at you. Yeah. It's all the crap Superman keeps hucking at the sun. They're like, well, now <laughs> we gotta go get it, dude. That's what they've been doing since Quest for Peace is picking up all those goddamn nuclear weapons and elevators and whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> the corpse of a uh, nuclear man is up there. That skateboard from Suburban Commando. <laughs> it just goes on and on, but. You, I, Maybe it's like derelict satellites or something. I think that's what the idea is supposed to be. And then they're like, okay, your last one for your mission's coming up. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. This thing's the size of a football field. Let's go in for a closer look. And they treat this like it's an everyday activity. Like, let's fly as close to this, essentially a UFO. Yeah. That was the other thing was I was like, in this, in this movie world... Have we made contact with extraterrestrial life? Because the level of casual behavior that they put towards seeing an honest-to-God spaceship that's like a hundred times larger than theirs is just like, oh, look at that. Well, the uh, thing is that Walter Koenig's a bad actor and (laughs) Bruce Campbell just don't care. And that's that's who you got in this movie. Yeah. Right, because they do uh, later on they, they allude to the idea that they have not made first contact. Oh yeah, that. you're so yeah, you're right. It's it's, it's like just, two scenes from now. It's just weird, man. They're just like totally nonplussed about alien invasions. They're yeah. like, ah, oh, look at that. And so they they fly closer to this thing. Chekhov's like, I'm gonna go in for a closer look. I was like, the hell you are. <laughs> well, that's the be- best thing, and this happens a couple times in this movie where everyone's like Hey, maybe we'll get give Bruce Campbell the ball and run with it. Because they're like, hey, Bruce Campbell, you go out there and check it out. And he's like, not in my movie. And he like whittles his tiny body into a spaceship. <laughs> because this is his time to shine. Mm-hmm. We never saw Captain Chekhov in those movies. You know, he never came back on Next Generation. Fucking Scotty was like a, a like you've been around forever kind of captain promotion. It's like a lifetime Oscar. Like Scotty got that. Spock became an ambassador. Kirk was an admiral and then retired and died a captain, I guess. Sulu's a captain. Nobody knows what happened to Uhura necessarily. That's a plow going by outside. If anyone at home can hear that. Maybe Koenig became, maybe Chekhov became like head of HR at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Starfleet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. You have to just sign these papers before I can let you out into the training facility. (laughs) Oh, 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 hang on, you forgot your W9. Oh, you know, you you didn't do your uh, sexual harassment training seminar this time. <laughs> you have to do it every 18 months. It's not Chekhov's fault. <laughs> Got to keep them up with the new regulations. We can discover the new race that has three genders. <laughs> you have to know how to not manipulate all three. Here's a good tip. No matter what the alien race is, no matter what gender possibilities are out there, slapping anything on the ass is a bad idea. Learn from Chekhov. That's why he's here. (laughs) Some slapping alien ass. (laughs) Some Chekhov sexual harassment scandal gets a bump down to administrative level at Starfleet. Sure. Captain, she was giving me the signal. Every time you bed all these women, and I, I just wanted to slip one on the behind. I don't know what to tell you. Do I know you? That's what fucking Kirk would do. Dude, the old, do I know you? You're finished. 
Oh man, but, firing someone is Captain Kirk. <laughs> that's how you would do it. So we go up to this spaceship, and he's like, he's basically doing a spacewalk to this yeah. thing, and he sees like this little egg-looking thing inside, and his first instinct is, "Well, I'm just going to take this." Yep. I have no idea what this spaceship is. He's like, it looks like a football. Yeah, it, I think it, it does. is a football. <laughs> The prop department kind of just cut a football in half. It looks like a deflated football. Yeah, it really hey, does. Hey, hey, hey Patriots. Yeah. The Patriots fans out there. <laughs> there's, uh, there's like markings on the side of this spaceship, and he's like, I think I see writing on here. And Bruce Campbell's like, oh, anything familiar? And that's, again, why I was like, if you <laughs> haven't made fucking first contact, yep. and he has had the opportunity to learn a gleep glop language, yes. Why would you ask him if it's anything familiar? Of course not. It's a spaceship. You haven't made first contact. Oh, this movie is so fun and frustrating. The thing is, like, you spot that thing, you know, you you, you tell ground control, they're not going to let you just go into it. No, yeah, exactly. Well, that's a lot of this thing is, like, America is not ready to make first contact at all and has no, no. idea to get how to get its fucking thumb out of its own ass. Yeah, exactly. To be able to make sense out of anything. They're like, oh, yeah, just check it out. It, we'll send <laughs> this 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 should have been retired space astronaut in there. <laughs> for, for a half a second, I thought you were going to say should have been retarded. And I'm not saying that's a good thing to say. I'm just saying, oh, my God, what's happening? I admit I was also like, Steve, where are you going with this? <laughs> no. By the way, his name is Jason in this movie. It's like Jason Jason Hark- Grant. Grant. And everyone's usually in these movies, it's last names only. It's like Grant, Williamson. What do you want? To, it's like, yeah. hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. Hi, Jason. Jason the astronaut. <laughs> All right. Now that we're getting into their names. <laughs> are you going to talk about the name of the screenwriter? No, but that's a good thing to bring up as well. Yeah. What is it? Tex Ragsdale? Tex Ragsdale. So awesome. That is a crazy ass name. But, but, but. <laughs> Okay, here's some backstory on these characters. Jason Grant was a Vietnam fighter pilot. Uh-huh. And oh, that's right. I forgot. This is why I'm like, when, when does this take place? Because Ray, who's Bruce Campbell, was a, um, a fighter pilot as well. But he, was, he mentions Libya, Libya and yeah. Lebanon. And yeah. I'm like, shit. This was, when does this Black take? ops, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, maybe. <laughs> um, so they is a bonding exercise on this ship. They they give, they tell each other their their call signs as, oh, as fighter right. pilots, right? Like Maverick <laughs> and Goose, you know. Yeah, you know, cool names like Maverick yeah. and Goose. Okay, so uh, Chekhov was Einstein because he was the brains of the operation. I could always figure out how to get out of the scrapes. Oh yeah, you know what? He's the best they got. Just like a certain Captain James Tiberius Kirk. And what was Bruce Campbell's uh, name? Penetrator. Yep. And we have some some sex jokes. And yeah. then he's like, "No, because I always got in and got the mission done and got out." And I was like, "No, take the take the sex nickname, dude. <laughs> yes. Come on, come on. You're you're already an astronaut. Sure. That's I mean, that's just a license to print sex, right? Most definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Like, oh hey, I've been in space. Let's get to it." <laughs> But you're like, I've been in space, and my nickname at the Academy was The Penetrator. I mean, come on. Now, nicknames should not be penetrator. You shouldn't be saying, <laughs> let's get to anything. You should be like, hey, co-worker, good job. I will not touch you in this exchange. Talk to you later. Especially bottom slapping. I cannot stress that enough. 
bottom slapping will destroy your career here at Starfleet. And you never know these aliens. They have a different body part there. The el- you touch a lady elbow, that might be bottom in their culture. <laughs> you might touch bottom when you touch elbow. Good rule of thumb, just do not ever touch anyone ever. <laughs> Remember the five-year mission they tell you about? <laughs> Dude, that's great, right? Chekhov's at a bar, and he's like, you know, I used to serve on the Enterprise. I'm Chekhov. And they're just like, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> there was no Chekhov on the Enterprise. Who not, is this clown? Not a second season. I mean, second year of the mission. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, What happened was they came back to refuel. They pick up Chekhov, and then the adventure, <laughs> adventure continues. <laughs> And then an adventure continues. Um, so he finds a space skeleton and he's like, yeah, I might as well bring this too. Yeah, collect this also. It's like a mummified corpse. The, the way they introduce it too, they're totally stealing the head gag from Jaws. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, because it kind of just pops up. But because this movie's terrible and it's hilarious, he's like, oh, this football. And he's like looking at it. And then like in slow motion, this mummified corpse just floats in like, How's it going? <laughs> and you're just like, man, this is shitty. And the thing about this movie is there's absolutely no transitions at all. So nope. we're in space and like we're in the middle of this mission. Maybe we're going to see how they land or like he goes back up. We're instantly no, no. back at NASA. You're just instantly. Not only are we back at NASA instantly, there's already been this huge study done on the body. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like weeks later, apparently. Like, this movie isn't that long. We could have had some extra scenes in here. Sure. Like, oh, hey, bring, managing getting the body into the spaceship, that's got to be difficult. Yeah, you don't get any of that. You don't see how he leaves the spaceship. Nope. Nothing. It's just like, cut, next thing. I so- mean, you can find stock footage of a space shuttle landing on an airstrip. <laughs> You can. You, you you certainly can. Oh, also, um, two things about the beginning of, of this movie before we get going into the, the rest of it here. But one, the opening music is definitely just ripping off the Star Wars theme song. Mm-hmm. Just ripping it right off. And then also, this is where he totally does space the final frontier. Oh, yeah, space you... the final. Fuck you, Chekhov. How about that? <laughs> Whoa. This is the only time I'll be able to do it. <laughs> He's in this training video. Oh, actually, I just remembered. He is reprising his role as Chekhov in the beginning of Generations. Oh, is he, he a captain then? Yeah, they, they must have. They're touring the Enterprise B. He's the tour guide. <laughs> I'm HR rep and the tour guide. I show you. Around. Come this way, uh, uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as Captain John Harriman, I'll see myself out. <laughs> but oh, oh, by the way, he also reprises the role of Chekhov, I believe, in a sub-series of fan films on the internet. Yes, you're totally right. Ouch. It's like Star Trek Frontiers or some mm-hmm. nonsense. Now I am the captain because there's no money for anybody. <laughs> Your Chekhov got a little Dracula there. Yeah, That's pretty bit. good. <laughs> yeah. So now we're trying to convince this this. Pinheaded government dude. I cannot believe the astronauts <laughs> went up to space, came yep. down with an artifact, found a spaceship. By the way, why we're not going up to find that again? But an where artif- did it go? <laughs> As an artifact and a dead alien body. Uh, that, yeah, we don't know the origin of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and this, this guy's like, ah, you're, you're full of shit. Yeah, guy, totally. He's like, oh, this is one of them stories that that you NASA guys say to jack up the budget. 
Yeah, because NASA's notorious for like sucking money out of the government for all the fancy programs they've been able and, to do over the years. Right, and in the 80s, they actually had some money. Yeah. Right? I mean, now they don't. No, now it's just, you, we've got to privatize space exploration. Because oh, everybody's got fucking health care, that's why. Oh, God, Obama's <laughs> America 2016. I, I mean, we should have saw it coming. <laughs> So yeah, this this pencil neck, he's like doing his best William Atherton impression. <laughs> just like, oh, you know, blah. It's just it's so ignorant and so stupid. Like you, see, how, that's the thing is this dialogue Atherton could have pulled off. Yeah, that's like, true. Like he could have made it work. Yeah, or you know what? Or a Paul Gleason. Yeah, Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, same movie, same diehard. You know what co-stars? this means? The money. The, the finger, finger thing means the money. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. This movie was way out of, uh, or William Atherton, rather, was way out of this movie's price range. Definitely. But the thing, the interesting thing about this, I mean, uh, it's a Bill Simmons thing, is like, you t- instead of, for, for trades, like, you know, you don't want to trade a dollar for four quarters. You know what I mean? Like, and that, you don't want a superstar means that much. It would mean that much in this movie. But it really, with, with Walter Koenig and Bruce, Bruce uh, Campbell, you're like, what? 48 cents each, kind of? <laughs> like, you're just still not making a full dollar. But, like, Bruce Campbell, I can see. Yeah, sure. Walter Koenig, <laughs> why? Why? He's too old, and he's just useless. And, I mean, this cat is like Garfield orange on his head. <laughs> Nobody is buying it. No one. No, and the makeup that they got on his face oh my he looks God. like fucking Morticia Adams. Yep. It's ridiculous. It's looking. so bad. So they're like, okay, let's go get lunch or whatever. And they leave this thing. <laughs> they're like, let's discuss this outside. Everybody go now. Let's lock the room with the alien in it. <laughs> and, of course, the, the egg opens up. Weird surprise. A robot pops out. A chopping mall pops out. It, I mean, <laughs> it is just like a little chopping mall robot, too. They kind of have the same head. Mm-hmm. You know, like that classic robot triangular head. They kind of look like Mousers from the Ninja Turtle game. Oh. Oh, yeah, you're right. They got these little, like, claw arms. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, they kind of serve as tentacles a little bit, so mm-hmm. they're, like, a little, like, squid-like. Yeah, they're, they're whipping things around, and it hacks the computer system and learns a bunch of information. It So they've done, like, this study. They do a study on the body, and yeah. they're like, oh, it's a human. Mm-hmm. It's a humanoid life form. It's 17,000 years old. It's been floating up there. Mm-hmm. He was in like he was in a spacesuit also. Yeah. So they're like, all right, like this was some ancient astronaut. Like, yes, they say ancient astronaut. Totally. This is, is great. This is a real, you know, chariots of the sky thing. Dude. There's a lot. This movie has a lot of connections with a lot of things. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So what they've done is they've like cataloged this study on this computer. So when the alien breaks out, the first thing he does is he goes eh, and breaks this window. Yep. So he's like he can get his little tentacles into the lab, and he he busts up the computer basically, and he turns himself. I mean, we know into a super shredder using parts of this dead alien astronaut, <laughs> right? For some reason, and like parts of the computer, and makes himself into like a thing. He's like a robot zombie Borg, but it doesn't mean anything. It is just, just robot. It really. is just the funniest, shittiest robot I've ever seen in a movie. Like. Johnny Five, uh, or uh, J Five rather, sure. from uh, from Blank Man, <laughs> yeah, better robot. Oh, and yeah. that robot fucking fell down the stairs. But it's a robot with little skull teeth for no reason. Like, why does this <laughs> robot need teeth? It's so funny. And like, the, I guess the idea with this alien race is like it's 
robotic in nature, but it can use whatever organic it can find me- to adapt. Yeah. yeah. So like right. me- mechanical stuff or, you know, human organic tissue and things it's like, like that. It's like the movie Virus <laughs> oh. with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. That stay might tuned. be stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. It's a possible stay tuned. And um, so it starts, it kills this one, uh, this one woman really quickly, really cheesily, like claws her head for it's no the, reason. Right. It's one of three women in this entire movie. Yeah. And she's the only one that doesn't take her top off, FYE. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the woman who's piloting the space shuttle that comes to save them gets naked in this movie? Oh, no, then there's four, because there's definitely a stripper later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot about the stripper. Yeah, yeah. How could I forget? By the way, did you say FYE? Yeah, I did. Is that, is that where you bought this DVD? <laughs> Steve, where is the access to your time machine to go back to an FYE? There's one in my mall, actually. Oh, in Jersey City, there's an FYE. Shit, the mall time forgot. FYI, <laughs> there's an FYE in Jersey City. And my girlfriend tried to buy like a, a uh, I think like a mug there once, and some guy was trying to sell her all sorts of memberships to anything. What does could. a membership at FYE get you? I don't know. It's just like, yeah, but it's like, it's not just FYE. It's into all different stores. In the- Coconuts, <laughs> strawberries. <laughs> Tower Records is in there. You can use this membership card wherever you want. Holy shit. You like reading? You can get into a Borders with this card. <laughs> Good luck finding one. That's the joke. Oh, right. It's all stores that don't exist. Doc- Doctors Without Borders. Because <laughs> they, they don't have borders anymore. <laughs> See, it's, it's funny because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so speaking of not making sense, this thing turns into a hilarious, as Steve said, super shredder-esque robot. And then there, so look, the team is basically there's some scientists, some old guy scientists. Oh, this old guy scientist is the absolute best character. Yes. And, you, you know, and this pencil neck who's like all about the budget. They're, they're fine. They're in this elevator for a really long time talking about things. Yeah, like, I don't know how underground this base is. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, you know, and they kind of sell him on the idea like, hey, let us go back to the moon. We'll figure it all out. There's got to be more stuff up there. Because they, they blackmail him. Because they're like, oh, we wouldn't want to have to go to whatever house committee yeah. and petition to blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you'd really go around the president's back like that? Like, the the dialogue. In the, it's all about, like, get this to the president. Yep. The president's got to do this. And you're just like, there's no president in this movie. I'm not going to see a president anytime soon. I think it would be uh, uh, George H.W., right? Yeah, Herb Walker, dude. He was uh, in office. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, my 20s, while being a lot of fun, a lot of the time, were pretty rough. I wasn't exactly rolling in dough. I lived at home until I was about 25. And for most of it, I didn't have this show or you lovely people in my life. I just kind of drifted around without direction and didn't know where to voice that. Then I started to get my crap together one piece at a time, and the last piece, which didn't come until my early 30s, was therapy. And man, I wish it came along sooner. Ever since I started sitting down as a licensed therapist, I've had a place to voice my insecurities and try to fashion plans to help me achieve my goals. So that's why I'm thrilled we're sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to meet your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and the good thing is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WHM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WHM. 
and they get to the basement, and of course, it's the last stage in a video game that nobody was playing, and it's just this big <laughs> robot thing, and it's oh. set. And like the scientist guy's like, all right, all right. The old guy's like, all right, let, right. let me try and reason with it. Finally, someone's this, got some yeah, sense. This is also where the first contact thing comes up. He's like, you're right. He's like, we're gonna we're gonna talk to an alien species for the first time, and you're gonna bring out guns. And what's amazing is this guy's had some lines earlier in the film. He appears to be like a genteel old man. Yes. Right? And, he, and they break out their guns, and he's like, no, not guns. No, it's I'm Grandpa NASA. Yeah. <laughs> old man NASA's going to talk to him. <laughs> so this guy comes out, and he's just like, we're here in peace. You know, we, we want to learn from you and get your story. And you're, there's a lot of bad robot vision in this movie, uh-huh. and you're seeing it again here. And I'm like, this dude's getting fucking killed, right? Well, sure enough, this robot like shoots some force lightning and it hits this guy in the arm. And all of a sudden, this old man turns on a dime and all of a sudden he's Jack Palance. He's like, kill that fucker. (laughs) Get that son of a bitch. That son of a bitch robot. Which is just like, you know, dude, if you're a scientist, you've got to be a little bit. Even though it hit me, we got to figure this out. Exactly, dude. Do you think Dr. What's-Her-Face abandoned the gorillas the first time a gorilla pushed her? I'm sure it wasn't an easy road. <laughs> the so, scientist just gives up. So they're shooting at this thing, and wh- what does Chekhov do? Goes full fucking diehard. <laughs> Climbs through the air ducts with a shotgun. Well, Dude, like, I think I think you if you turn it up really loud right at that part, you hear Walter Kane go, I saw this on TV last <laughs> week, and then he gets up there. Well, it's the same thing where it's like Bruce Campbell strapping young Bruce Campbell's got a gun, and, and Chekhov's got a gun, and, and like, of course, because this movie and he's making more money, he's like, it's my turn to go in the vents, Captain. No, it's <laughs> Bruce Campbell. He's the penetrator. You're Einstein. <laughs> Did you forget your own call signs? You were just talking about it in space. And er, earlier on, they talk about this egg being impenetrable. Like, oh, it's, it's, we couldn't destroy, we couldn't do whatever, blah, blah, blah. They say that. And right. then, like, they're shooting at this thing for hours as Koenig is old man crawling his tiny body through the, the vents. Dude, it is, it's almost as if this scene unfolds in real time <laughs> as he is trying to crawl his old ass through these vents. Because, like, they keep just cutting back to the same footage of this shootout over and over. And no one is even hitting this robot. And we're talking shotguns. Yes. We're talking military-grade equipment. It, this is now, like, an eight-foot-tall robot, too. Yes. Yeah, it's it's great. It's taken up the whole hallway. Yeah. So, whatever. Koenig gets up there. He gets right above this thing and shoots it in the head. One shot, it's done. Because yeah. Koenig is he's, he, he is John McClane a little bit, right? He's a little John McClane. He, he's movie. definitely a little, jo- a little John McClane. <laughs> <laughs> tiny diehard. <laughs> Walter Koenig is tiny diehard. I'm in that... the vent. Here I come. He's tiny diehard. Is this Chekhov on the holodeck? <laughs> Run sequence, tiny diehard. <laughs> I'm in the vents. Oh no, it's the sink. I'm so tiny diehard. So now the whole thing is like they turn to the the pinhead and they're like, 
Now will you let us go to the moon? Smash cut to Walter Koenig's apartment for like 41 minutes as he's talking <laughs> to his son whilst wearing a whale t-shirt. Yes, it's got like three whales on it with the moon in the backdrop. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a great t-shirt. And you get to see his arms, which my God, this is, you have to talk yeah. about Teen Wolf too. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking the same thing. It is a real werewolf bat mitzvah going on on those forearms. He's got some killer white jeans on. <laughs> well, this is what I love. So we cut to his house, right? Walter Koenig is in his living room doing push-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay? Wearing acid wash jeans. <laughs> yes, yes. Which everybody wash. loves working out in acid wash yeah. jeans. Oh, yeah. I didn't get a good look, but I'm telling you, it's like... 85% certain there's an elastic waistband on those, <laughs> yeah. those those acid wash jeans too. And he's doing the push-ups where like he's holding on to the weight thing so he's re- like he's really serious about push-ups and the son comes over and he's like I'm going to do push-ups with dad all the while and it's not just this part it's the entire time we're in his house. I I did not stop laughing. He's somewhere in the house there's classical music playing. And the mix in this movie is so terrible that this piano is overwhelmingly loud. Well, it's so loud and it's like sonorous and like whatever. And it's so re- repetitive. It, I, I felt like I was playing a role playing game. And like you're <laughs> yeah. stuck in like the library and you're trying to figure, exactly. you're trying when, to figure your way out of it. When you couldn't solve the puzzle in Resident Evil and you just got stuck in the library and it's just playing that music. Well, you're just like, you know, you, you go up to the fucking, you go up to the same librarian character every time. And like, you've, you've gone there enough where he stopped talking to you. And like, <laughs> he's just starts saying, see you at the festival or right. whatever. You know what I mean? You're like, like, oh, I can't get that hint again. Exactly. Cause it's always, you talk to somebody, you get the whole, his whole backstory. Yeah. And then at the end, he says, see you at the festival. And every time you come back, he goes, see you at the festival. I already told you, I'll see you at the festival. It's like, fuck you, man. I don't want to go to your stupid festival. How about that? <laughs> well, well, then we have to start the movie over again just to get back to that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, kind of like you're talking to somebody that is literally, like, literally, I'm done. I told you I'd see you at the festival. Yeah. The, the conversation is over. It's so awesome. I, I always used to love frustrating, like, these nothing video game characters mm-hmm. or pretending that they were getting frustrated with <laughs> yeah. me. So. His son, like, can't do as many pushes as him because, again, Walter Koenig is the action star of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's out push-upping his 15-year-old son. And so then he's like, oh, hey, Dad, the phone's for you. There's some talk about, like, his ex-wife, like, the oh, kid's yeah. mother and the new boyfriend are both getting into bodybuilding. And you're just like, <laughs> uh-huh. And, you, and, like, it's just so bad because Walter Koenig's like, oh. Well, good for your mother. Like, he, <laughs> like he's trying. I don't know what this voice is he's doing. It does sound. I guess it's just because it was always his voice, yeah. like natural. I, yeah. I feel like it's dipping into Chekhov when it's really not. No, but, yeah. you know. But he's like, oh, that's good for them, isn't that great? And then he's like, Dad, the phone's for you. And it's Bruce Campbell, drunk. In the middle of the day at a yeah. strip club. And he's like, you got to get down here, man. Because he, And he threatens like telling everybody about the aliens. And he's like, okay, well, I got to go. He's like, oh, well, I got my son here. He's like, why don't you come over here? And he's like, no. Well, he says something about, he's like, don't go talking about that too loudly. Like, Bruce Campbell <laughs> is apparently at the strip club mouthing off about ancient aliens. <laughs> 
Like you're a drunk in a strip club. Like you got of nothing course, to worry of, about. Yeah, of course you're going to be talking about ancient aliens. You and the next guy too. Well, and also, this is in an alternate 1989 where the CIA doesn't exist. Apparently, like these guys would be under lock and key. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. You're not going home and doing acid yeah. wash jeans push-ups. They would be on premises as, at NASA. Yep. In prison or in a casket. <laughs> Those are the three <laughs> options. They would strap them to, like, the afterburner of a rocket and then, like, wait for the next launch and just execute them that way. (laughs) Crispy critters, dude. It's a NASA funeral. Yeah, and then you know what? It was a mistake. (laughs) But we're happy to pay for the life insurance to the family. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A crazy mix-up happened on the (laughs) launch pad today. Only thing left were his acid wash jeans. <laughs> <laughs> the only things that survived the rocket burn. Dust in the wind, right? <laughs> so he goes to this strip club, whatever, and then we we get our first pair of breasts because you know what? When you might want to sell this to Cinemax, you just want to throw that in right, there. Of course, of course. And it makes total sense. Yep. And it what's great too is how we we cut to the strip club and it's front and center. Like yep. the the whole screen is just full of tit. Well, because you don't know where he is. Yeah. It's just like, all right, they'll come get you. And then it's just like cut to breasts. And I was like, all right, it's fine. But, you know, I didn't think this was like a strip club movie. Well, I yeah. just, I feel like, you know, when you were going to have that meeting with the Cinemax guy, he's just going to be like, well, what are we talking about breast-wise in your film? Yeah. It's like, well, we've got, we've got him. We really do. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. The quote is filled. Good. Are you sure? <laughs> Yes, yes, we're sure. At least four, right? <laughs> yes, we managed to somehow make our moon adventure have two nude women in it. The soft lighting, there better be soft lighting. Come here and relight this. <sighs> That's my cigar I was asking oh. you to relight. Ooh, uh, I'm sorry, I was yeah holding it a little low then. <laughs> Martin Cinemax. <laughs> The third. <laughs> Martin Cinemax the third. Network executive. Titan to all. <laughs> Show me where the breasts are in your film. You know that Schindler's List has some breasts. I guess we could buy that film. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> Even guess so. a little so. too preachy for me. <laughs> but it's so long as there's breasts in it, I can watch it. You know, I don't normally like playing message movies. <laughs> But it was a message movie with some nice breasts. I was picturing them recutting Schindler's List to be more erotic. <laughs> to get it into Cinemax. All of a sudden, it's a fully colored frame of a woman dancing in a strip club. It's the same cl- clip from Moon Trap, actually. They just cut it in. No one will ever know the difference. Martin Cinemax the third. <laughs> So uh, yeah, what yeah. what happens? You think it's going to be a thing where he's just like, he's just like, oh, man, the, we didn't get approved. The yeah. funding's cut, whatever. Of course, that's why you're drinking. Yeah, sure. No, they've been accepted to go to the moon, and he's just getting shit-faced at a strip club with the what? navigator or whoever, this third guy that they bring in, this zero of a screen presence they bring in. Oh, man, this dude, it's ridiculous. And it's like... Bruce Campbell's buddy, because they're talking about, like, the team. Who are we going to get to go to the moon? And Walter Koenig's like, 
well, obviously it's me, and obviously it's Bruce Campbell, and then we got some other buddy of his. He swears he's good at the stick. He can fly the thing. <laughs> What's the name, like Greg or Tom or God knows what? It's something boring like that. And where are they going on the moon? Where, where's the precise location that they're pinpointing? The Prometheus Crater. Oh. Ancient aliens? Prometheus? There's yep. connections. Yep, you're There's totally right. You're totally right. Ridley Scott ripped this movie off to high heaven. I think he did. <laughs> And I mean, like, again, you would think, like, maybe we're going to learn how we're going to prep this mission. What are we going to we're going to we're going to go to the mission control. Nope, we're on the moon. We're literally just next scene strip club. (laughs) It's the only time in history we've smash cut from the strip club to the moon. It's unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, this movie made cinema history. (laughs) It's the only time that that's happened. Even in Apollo 13, they go from the backyard barbecue to the launch sequence. (laughs) Exactly. How how do you have an astronaut movie without one single solid? Solitary launch sequence in and it, and that's that's also stock footage. You know, there, I think there is one later when they when they send up the second one. Yeah, yeah, with two D level <laughs> characters that have nothing to do with anything. They barely talk. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like if you were putting Ron Howe or if you were putting Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, and who's the third guy up there? Bill Paxton. Yeah, they're going to the moon. But you don't see that happen. They're just in space. Yeah. And then they send up another thing. And it's two extras that get the <laughs> launch sequence. It's so dumb. So we're just at, we're, whatever. We're on the moon. Whatever. We're on the moon. We're on the moon. And they're just doodling around. And it's like, it's like the set of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when the cars were going by yep. and stuff. <laughs> it's just this little... Toy dune buggy with two little toy astronauts on it, and it's shot from far enough away that you see this entire shitty little tabletop model. Oh, man, I love it. And it's just like them doing this voiceover of banter, and you don't see them until this thing comes to a stop. Because we're not driving this thing around a soundstage. Or even putting it in front of a rear projector or something where like you can... Look at it. I mean, that would look bad, but I mean... But I mean, Jesus Christ, Hitchcock could do it. What the fuck? Like, why am I looking at toys? (laughs) It's so terrible. It becomes... Like, they use it so much, it becomes like a running gag in the movie. (laughs) To the point where you're like, are you playing this for comedy? No. What did that box say? The most influential horror science fiction film of the decade? Yeah, of the 1980s, man. Forget about it. You, You know about that, right? Yeah. Did the person writing the back of that box never see the second Alien film I or the first one? Well, the first one was 79, I believe. I think they were writing in the Aliens box cover and the Moon Trap on the same day. And they oh, got mixed yeah. Up. The, it was a yeah. rough day at the box writing office. <laughs> J- James Cameron's silly follow-up to, to Ridley Scott's masterpiece really botches it with low-grade low special effects and terrible acting. <laughs> Oh, wait. I, I mean, Chekhov. Who thought of that one? <laughs> it's wretched. Sigourney Weaver and Walter Koenig give terrible performances. <laughs> and for some reason, Sigourney Weaver looks a lot like Bruce Campbell. <laughs> oh, mercy. So we're just kind of doodling around the moon for a little bit. And the you know they have their own little land 
land land space or whatever. That, I don't know what the hell you call that. The thing. little the cruiser rover, that they go around yeah. with. No, not just the rover, rover. The whatever that thing is when you land on the moon. Oh, like <laughs> a, a a lander or a, mo- a module. Yeah, a module. A lunar module. Yeah, module is the word I was go. looking for. Yes. Right. And, and then so they have the third guy, blank face yeah. McGee, is in the orbiter going around the moon. Yes. Yeah. So and that's where that's where all our astronauts and are. And they go to the Prometheus crater and they see a gigantic alien base. Big time. And Chekhov's like, you know, the door opens or whatever. <laughs> He's like, I think we're being invited in. Oh, that's very Dracula. <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, perfect talking about inviting people in places. But it's also a big spooky castle. It is. It looks like something, it. speaking of Ridley Scott, yeah. designed by H.R. Geiger. It's an H.R. Geiger ripoff drawing. Well, you know, an example of the banter here, you know, Chekhov says, I, you know, I think we're being invited in. And Bruce Campbell's, yeah. But who's throwing the party? Oh, that's fun. Because he's like he's like a kind of a cool dude astronaut. Yeah, he's like George Clooney in Gravity, like just running his hot shot mouth the whole time. <laughs> that doesn't stop him from dying. <laughs> doesn't stop either of them, actually. Yeah. <laughs> wow, spoiler alerts left and right. Oh, Gravity, you should have saw it. Yeah, yeah if you didn't see it in the theater, you know. Gravity, you should have saw it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> So they see this huge city. I mean, it looks like something the Incas built. Like it's nuts. And the funny thing is, when you're as you're trying to get your handle on this movie, it never lets you because the editing is so bad. When you see this castle, you're like, okay, so I guess we're just going to go through it. the rest of the movie. Is we're going to be inside this base, encountering all sorts of alien demons. We're and doing right. stuff. Yeah, exactly. No. Right, Castlevania is about to start. <laughs> but also, why did we never see this before? No. Like when when we've been to the moon a few times. <laughs> You just missed this huge temple? <laughs> what I love about this whole sequence is they, they pull up to a hill, and yeah. he's like, oh, no, the incline on this hill's too steep, and the rover can't get My toy won't work. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, so what are we going to do? And, you know, Chekhov's like, well, get out and walk, Pilgrim, because he's so fucking cool in this movie. Mm-hmm. They climb to the top of the hill. They see... The structure, right? It's, it's the Empire State Building. It's right. that big. And they, they're like, all right, let's go check it out. Cut to them driving up to this thing in the rover. Yeah. And I was like, you yeah. just said it got stuck in the mud. What is it? Well, how do you fuck that up? Give me a scene of Bruce Campbell changing a tire on the moon. <laughs> I would love it. Also, did you guys get a look at the uh, patches they're wearing on this moon mission? No. What do they say? Alien hunters? No, this is another creepy connection worthy of unsealed alien files Ooh, argo one oh. argo prometheus those movies came out around the same time where do you guys stand with prometheus by the way because i know it's a very contentious he, he, film opinion here's the thing is a lot of people hate it and right. i was i was kind of fine with it i kind of enjoyed it i didn't mind it but but i'm not like a gigantic alien franchise guy. right right i'm an enormous alien franchise guy and i really liked it I really liked it, too. And I'll, I'll tell you, here's the thing. When you hear from somebody, okay, when they go, uh, oh, yeah, you mean the alien movie without aliens in it? No one said anything about it being an aliens movie. Like, yeah. it takes place in the world of the alien story. Like, you just conflated that shit yourself while you were waiting online to get popcorn. Like, that's the way I see that opinion about that movie. Right. I think if you're not waiting for a xenomorph to show up, you're like, oh, okay, like this is a good movie. And I 
when the xenomorph shows up at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. They should have just not shown it, like, at all. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? No, but, I, I, what, I, kind of, I think I think that movie's but, totally good. So we go into this chamber after they ride, I don't know, I guess, around the mountain. I, whatever. I, big, big mistake, moon trap. I kind of wanted it to be, like, in, the, in in Super Mario World, when you get up to the cat, when Yoshi, when when Mario dismounts Yoshi and then looks up at the looks oh, up at the yeah. castle <laughs> and then walks on in cuz i mean it is like these huge castle doors and everything right and the first thing they do is they they turn right in this enormous labyrinth yep and they find a person <laughs> like immediately <laughs> like they walk in and this this was another thing that started bothering me about Chekhov's character in this movie cuz when we're introduced to this guy, he is just a hotshot astronaut. Mm-hmm. That's all he is is an astronaut, yeah. right? He's like a pilot who later piloted a space shuttle. And right? he's kind of like a loser, too, because he's never, like, you know, he's like, oh, he's like tired of it because he's wasted yeah. his whole career, and He says he's a truck driver, right? Yeah. But then all of a sudden, we get into this chamber that they go into, and he's a fucking alienologist. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh, yes, this must be a chamber where they hold ceremonies of all kinds. <laughs> Yes, yes, I can see it clearly now, judging by the architectural structure of the... And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, what are you... Where is this shit coming from? Speaking of which, by now, I think they, they're, they're holding space Uzis. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, they got to take the guns in, and this is where he's... Chekhov's just like, guns on the moon. Uh, uh, I don't think we're the first, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Who says that? Bruce Campbell. Oh, oh, is that his retort? Yeah, because he thinks, you know, like, you know, people have been, you know, the aliens have guns on the moon. Who knows what else has guns on the moon? And the thing about, the problem about smash cutting from a strip club to the moon, one of, is you miss, like, any kind of planning scene where if you, if we ran into hostile aliens and we were like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? How are we, we know that they're, they're plotting stuff on the moon. I think we'd send more than Walter Koenig and fucking Bruce Campbell. We'd send a couple of scientists. Yep. We'd send an actual, like, maybe but, a whole fleet of people. No way in hell would, would uh, Chekhov get near this mission. Not no, again, no. too old. And you know, the checks and balances about doing another lunar mission? Holy shit. No way in hell. You are totally right, dude. The checkoffs and balances for trying to, you know, justify a, a lunar turnaround like this. Like, it's not happening. No. This shit takes years of preparation. Yep. They just go back up there like you're hailing a cab. <laughs> well, later, like we said, when the extras show up later, they're like, <laughs> uh, well, I guess we should send more up. Fire off another one. <laughs> Another spaceship goes up. Uh, the country's bankrupt. <laughs> also, you, you know what you can't do? Secretly launch a rocket into space. Yeah. From from the NASA landing. People see that in Florida and Houston. It's a tourist attraction. There's people there all the time. Someone would be like, you just sent off like your second rocket in uh, three days. But then the men in black come by with their neuralizers. Oh, oh you're totally yeah. right, dude. Will Smith shared, comes up. Shared universe, dude. Oh, it, I guess it would be Tommy Lee Jones in 1989. He'd just come up and be like, all right, folks, can you just look right over here, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's how it works. Neuralized. Right. Consider it neuralized. <laughs> Uh, so they find a woman in a more ridiculous wig than Walter Koenig, <laughs> which is really surprising. I mean, I was shocked. I didn't yeah. think it could happen. But this woman, 
She's got the hair of uh, David Bowie's Labyrinth character. Yes. It's outrageous. And she's just sleeping in this little chamber, and he's, he's like, oh, this alien has been uh, in hypersleep, I guess, because I'm just the guy that knows everything. It's kind of like my arch nemesis, Khan Noonien Singh. <laughs> Remember him? Remember how I discovered him in that second movie? I mean, all the good stuff happens afterwards, but I was the one who found him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know. It's... I got a little worm put in my ear hole. It was gross. <laughs> Paul Winfield gets the assist, but I get the points. <laughs> Dude, Paul Winfield committing suicide in that movie? Oh, man. Badass. Total badass. That's the way to do it. So they unfreeze this woman like there's no discussion of like hey is this a good idea also no discussion hey is there air in this chamber (laughs) dude there's nothing like i think they leave the big chamber door open when they walk through the front door and by the way how's this for an ominous sign and weird too because there's just nothing but human remains everywhere there is just a hilarious amount of skeletons bent over in all these funny positions we take like five minutes focusing on like the most pricey skeleton they bought for this (laughs) I want that thing photographed from every angle. And you get it. <laughs> oh, that's oh, I like a little skeleton behind as well. That'll help you get on shit about you got You got the bones, but where's the boner? <laughs> I don't care if a skeleton can't have tits. You find a way to make it have tits, goddammit. This is fucking Cinemax we're running here. I want Jason tit-fucking those Argonauts. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I would never want to work for Cinemax. Oh, it's it's a nightmare. It's a living nightmare. (laughs) And and the best, the other thing that they have when they take their helmets off for no reason is playoff beards. Like, all of a sudden, (laughs) they, I don't know, they they decided to stop shaving or something. Dude, they're celebrating Movember. I don't know what's (laughs) happening. Where did these beards come from? It's lonely in space. (laughs) Um, So they wake this lady up. She doesn't speak English. Um, she's, I guess she's a part of the ancient astronauts that, that, that one dude was floating around. I don't know how he got off the moon. Hey, Andrew, sure. Whatever. (laughs) And where where are they from? The moon? Mars? And Eric, sure. Whatever. (laughs) Here's, here's the thing, right? That's your, that's your entry point to a fascinating story, right? Mm -hmm. Like. A race of humanoid astronauts? Like, then you start thinking all those theories about, like, you know, Earth was just a, a barren planet right. and yep. then it was seeded by aliens, like, all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Again, going back to Prometheus. But, like, that's that's where the interesting shit is. Not these terrible, jokey robots. It's fucking <laughs> battle bots on the moon. That's all it is. They're battle bot robots. Robot jobs. By the way, this woman's name is Mira. Yeah. And, um... I don't know. I think space station Mir might have been making the news around the time. Totally right. Mir, it's the uh, Russian word for uh, world. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so they're, they're like, oh, I guess we'll put everybody put your spacesuits on. Let's get out of here for she, no reason. She has a 17,000 year old spacesuit that's still just <laughs> totally fine. It's just fine. Here's the thing. if she, Why is it if this temple is like supposedly for this race of robot alien creatures. Mm. How is it that they've allowed this woman to sleep in this chamber? No, no, it's this was the alien this is the alien race's spaceship. They they and or whatever, I think. 
Oh, this was the humanoid spaceship yes. that crashed, so it's not a temple. Yeah. It's a spaceship? It's a spaceship, sure, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they, because later when she learns how to speak at the very end of the movie, she's like, when I was waiting there to tell everybody about this. And oh, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Yeah, that's you're the whole right. point. She went to hyperspace because she needed to tell somebody about something about these aliens, robot things, whatever. So they go. <laughs> They leave, they get back in their shitty car, and everyone gets their own toy again. <laughs> yeah. And apparently they got space jacked because their Dude, fucking lunar module is gone. <laughs> the alien <laughs> totally carjacks them on the moon. It's amazing. Like, the, you see the alien come up, like, really slowly approaches the car, kind of just checks to see if the door is unlocked, looks around, <laughs> sees if anyone else is in the lunar parking lot. It's so fucking funny. He used the low jack to get in there. (laughs) Or a Slim Jim, I apologize. Yeah, oh yeah, please. Slim Jim. So they're like, oh, our ride's gone (laughs) or something. But the robots left like little robo footprints, so let's go check it out, you know? So they're like driving and the little toy's going along. And then the... You can't make this up. The toy car... Runs out of batteries. Like it stops, and Bruce Campbell's just like, ah, no more juice in the batteries. Guess we're walking. I'm like, oh, great. Hitchhiking on the moon. You know what? Guess what? We're definitely dying. <laughs> like, I don't know how this is going to end, but we're dead. Well, yeah, because their pal up, up in space is just like, dude, you got to find your ride. Like, it's like yeah. they lost their dad's car. <laughs> like, oh, man, your, your dad's going to be pissed at you. Dude, where's my car? Dude, dude where's, where's my, my lunar module? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but then, like, when he radios that, yeah. suddenly his orbiter gets hit by, like, a bolt of lightning. Yeah, Space sure. lightning, or, or maybe it was the robots shooting at him, which I guess it was. It is, because the robots have force lightning powers. So, yeah. like... The one robot, like, it puts its tentacles, like, all over the lunar rover and sort of, like, electrocutes it or whatever. And he becomes it, sort of, again. But yeah. Like, they do. They co- co-adapt technology or right, whatever. Right, so it, like, takes the thing over and walks away mm, with it's itself the, or it's something. The Borg, yeah. And then it gets, this dude gets shot out of the sky <laughs> and crash lands on the moon and just blows up. Yeah, you see it like it's like a shooting star from their <laughs> point of view. You know what? That was kind of beautiful. <laughs> The last seconds of that man's life were totally awesome. Nobody gives a shit either. Again, like we're marooned on the the moon, and now our ride is totally gone. And yeah, like, you're done for. Like, and ah, well, <laughs> you totally need the Bill Paxton game over, man. Yes, flip out exactly, which nobody does. Bruce Campbell like kind of comes close, but it's just like. More, I guess, being frustrated that you're starring in a movie with Chekhov. Like, <laughs> playing more, second fiddle to Chekhov. Yeah, you're playing second fiddle to Chekhov, exactly. Yeah. So they like they find the where they think the the module is or whatever. They go over. Uh oh, alien attack. Yeah. Bruce Campbell's like thrown across the moon, basically. Of course, crack shot Chekhov kills this thing in two seconds. Right. Yeah, and you know the penetrator expires pretty quickly in this scene. The penetrator will not expire on my watch. Penetrators live forever. Well, Cinemax. I, well, I'll, Mr. S- Mr. Martin Cinemax, hold on to your hat because here it comes. But, oh man. But th- the thing is, the one thing I'll give this movie is the silent space shooting, which I kind of like. Yes. yes. At, yeah. first, at first, because this movie's so terrible, I was like, wow, you fucked that up. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh no, I realize what you're doing. The only thing you can hear 
is them in their spacesuits screaming and yelling at yes, each other. Which is cool. It's it's a very smart move on this movie's part. I'll I'll give it that. They thought that part through. And so then he goes uh Chekhov goes over to Bruce Campbell whose face is covered with jam. <laughs> and like he has his death scene. He's like, I told you not to bring toast in there, now look what happened. It's all over your beautiful chin. That chin was going to be someone someday. Oh man, imagine having to you, you, what if you sneeze in space when you have your space helmet on and you got Ooh. boogers running down your nose, man? Has that ever happened? Oh, definitely. And oh, that's probably. Gonna be so annoying. You're like touching your face. Were you touching the glass? Dude, you if you had an itch on your face or something? Yeah. You're fucked. Oh, man. I'd go crazy. That's how I would die in space. <laughs> You'd take I would your forget and I would take my helmet off and die. <laughs> I would be like Arnold. My fucking face blows up. <laughs> Uh, oh man! What is? Does he have a fun death montage? Well, he does say like, "Oh, you're the best checkup. <laughs> if they anyone have, can do this, it's you." <laughs> here, here it is, dude. It's a line that is uttered three times in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. I want to throw up every time they say it. Is we don't take shit from no machines. Great, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, now remember, Chekhov, we don't take no shit from no machines, and like. Koenig right. doesn't was... say in any. He doesn't say anything, and right. he's like, "Come on, fucking say it! I'm dying. Agree <laughs> with me. Agree with my last words." And then he just dies. Goodbye, dos <laughs> Dosvedonia. <laughs> but that line originated with I think Bruce Campbell kicking a, 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 a coffee, coffee machine. machine. Oh, yeah. that's right, the vending machine with coffee that's so, not working. Yeah, I mean, I can see why his character would bring it back, but then Chekhov does it a couple times later on, which is ugh. <laughs> Well, he then does the thing of like, you stupid idiot, how'd you die on the moon? Yeah, he's, he's like, of course you take the easy way out. You leave me here with this hot babe. Wait oh, a minute, yeah. last two people oh. on the moon. You wait here a second. I've got a spacey glue in my pack. <laughs> I will go and build a house for us to have space sex. He has a blow-up pup tent space igloo. Ugh. What the fuck? This is glass windows, by the way. It looks terrible. This is Borat on the moon. (laughs) I mean, this thing looks like something you'd put in a swimming pool. It's just a big, air-filled, fluffy igloo thing. And I don't even understand. So he's like, oh, my God. we need. You know what? We need to chill out, go in this space house, take our helmets off, and see what happens. And cut to him doing this, like... Oh, I'm such a big old loser space astronaut. Nobody likes me. I fucked up the mission to the moon. Oh, and I'm like, that's what I want my space <laughs> hero to be, is this big pathetic piece of shit with a wig on. And this woman's just like, well, it's been 15,000 years. I really wish the good-looking guy made it. but <laughs> <laughs> And now, I mean, apparently from what I'm, my limited English skills, I'm guessing we're stranded. We might as well. Dude, yeah, it's a real now or never again. And this lady's like, you know what? The hell with it. I mean, Mira's like, you know what? You're a disgusting alien. <laughs> yeah, technically you know, you're an right? alien yeah. to me. But... I hope your penis is in the right place. <laughs> Yeah, how does the, the fact that they have sex is crazy? No way did I need this sex scene. <laughs> no, thank you to this sex scene. Uh, different opinions when we hate movies. <laughs> what I'll were say- you ready to go? <laughs> well, no, I was. I liked when Chekhov was ready to go. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because like he starts kissing her, and I was like, "Oh, 
she might not like that check off. I don't know if this is the time for this. <laughs> but then this woman just takes her shirt off, and I was like, right, it, it's go time on the moon. Oh, okay. Good, a second pair. You will definitely make it on Cinemax tonight. Well, boys, welcome to Cinemax. <laughs> welcome to Cinemax, Bob Dyke. <laughs> Balling on the moon? <laughs> now we're talking. Hey, hey. You want money for a sequel? <laughs> you just gave me a couple of ideas. <laughs> couple of six-inch ideas. <laughs> no, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> eclipse breasts. <laughs> Think about it. So they have sex, and then they get interrupted by, and this you're waiting for this, right? Bruce Campbell to come back as a zombie robot. Yeah. Which you think he's going to be like the last master in the game? Sure, yeah. you got to get you got to like burn your dead immediately. It's yes. like Game of yep. Thrones here. You got to <laughs> take that shit out. But he he's like he's got a big kind of a cool creepy grin because you know that's what you, that's what you're hiring Bruce Campbell for. It's it's very reminiscent of like when Ash has had it in that second mm-hmm. Evil Dead movie and he's just going crazy. It's that same like lunatic grin. Yeah, which is it's kind of scary. You're like, it all is. right, it's like his face. Just attached to a robot head. And he's looking through the porthole, which this tent for some reason has. Sure, why not? And this sex tent. And he <laughs> he tears it open, and then Chekhov just shoots him with a gun, and he's dead. It, it takes... The resurrection of Bruce Campbell is nine seconds long. It's such a waste. It is. And you, you know what you also want? It's kind of cliched, but you want the thing of, like, it talks in yes, Bruce Campbell's definitely. voice. Like, come on, buddy. Einstein wouldn't do this to the penetrator. Come on. Exactly. And he's like, you are not the penetrator. <laughs> and he shoots it. Or, like, get me some much-needed exposition. He's like, our race has existed for centuries. Exactly. Such it's, and such and who's a fudge. It's kind of like when the alien uses Brent Spiner's body to talk. Yeah, in, you know? uh, in Independence Day, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Like, just something. Give me anything. You know what's not that interesting? You shrouding these robo-aliens in mystery. No. Because, listen, they're robots. Something else had to design them. Or, yeah, or maybe they're organic robots, which is also something. Yeah, I get, you know, then they came from the same planet the fucking Autobots did. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and what, so, was that, what was that planet called? Cartopia? Something. Where are they from? <laughs> Cartopia? Is it anything worse than what it actually is? No. Yeah, all right. So and then smash cut, we're trapped on the on this alien ship. Like what alien ship ever what what question yeah. mark. I guess you're supposed to believe that it's the one from the beginning of the movie. Well, there's also two like <laughs> they turn into like G.I. Joe action figures for a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. <laughs> and and these Oh right, the pickup. Gi- yeah, the giant robots pick them up. <laughs> And they're like, look at these little toys, and then they take him back to the spaceship. It's like in this, in like fairy tales when a giant is like, "You'll make a good toy for my kid." Yeah, like yeah. that's this alien's like, "I'll play with you." Yeah, cut to them chained to a wall like the Borg and Picard. Yeah, and he's just like, "We're on their ship," like just letting us know because again, there was no establishing shot yep. or anything. And keep in mind, everybody. This woman is a 17,000-year-old ancient astronaut yeah. who doesn't speak English. So once Bruce Campbell's dead, it's just Koenig <laughs> running his mouth. <laughs> yep. And he's talking to her, 
and she's and not she, saying anything yeah, back. She's like a mute character, mm. and it's God. Oh, damn. good extra points. If women can't talk, you'll definitely make it on Cinemax. I mean, I don't know how she got a job as an astronaut, <laughs> but that's not for Cinemax to figure out. <laughs> extra dialogue. I think no points. <laughs> extra tits. Extra points. <laughs> So, so speaking of the moon and everything, so Cinemax is run by the reptilian high command. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's why you got to get showtime. And then this, so this scientist alien robot or whatever comes in with buzzsaw hands. Dude, you know he's a scientist because he's got a robot clipboard with him. <laughs> little robot stethoscope around his, around his neck. I was shocked he didn't have little robot glasses. <laughs> yeah, because he's the nerd robot? Yeah. The best part is, so he like cuts off a piece of this woman's uniform and then throws it in the space garbage? Like, what? I was like, oh, are they using part of her to make a clone yeah. or something? No, it's literally a space garbage. <laughs> Can. <laughs> and it's just slowly cutting off her clothes. Well, then, like, he... oh, yeah, now we're talking. That robot's got a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that robot could work for Cinemax. Yeah, yeah, nice and slow. Robot. Let me ask you something. Does that robot have uh, any other body parts of a human man, if you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> right now you're in the 2 o'clock slot, but you can move up to the 11 p.m. money slot. Right after <laughs> the money slot. Cinemax definitely has a money slot, oh, and you God. know it. My no, head. and they definitely call it the money slot, too. <laughs> He's got some line here also where he, like, is kind of putting a puzzle together. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, oh, no, I know what's going on here. We're spare parts. I'm like, shush, shut and up. And there's like shots of like little heads and whatever in this thing. Yeah, or something. Like, something. Bo- body parts for the nerd so- uh, robot to use later. <laughs> Missed opportunity for some cool alien parts. You the- know, like a predator hand or something. Oh, oh yeah. dude, same Bring universe. in some other universes. Sure. That's like yeah. Predator 2, right? Yeah. Because Predator 2 is what set up AVP. That's right, man. That's where it all began. Oh, man. If they had <laughs> Nuclear Man head in one of those things big <laughs> quiffed blonde head they got the elevators <laughs> mounted on a wall it's broken clearly um so nobody count these these dumb aliens didn't count on walter Kadig having very small hands oh man he just slips right out thank god he's got doll-sized hands <laughs> to just slink out of these handcuffs. There's some really, like, the only time this movie uses gore effects is at this part because he, like, rips off part of his wrist and you just see, like, a little, like, tearing flesh and yeah. I was like, ew, too late in the movie for that. Yeah, for sure. Where was that when the robot was tearing apart Bruce Campbell? Let me see that Th- shit. That's another thing, Bruce, you know, they're, all the deaths in this movie are just, like, they fall over and they cut to being becoming uh, robot zombies. Yeah. Show me it happening. I want to yeah. see that process. And yep. that's not, that doesn't have to be an expensive process either. Mm. You can figure that out. Well, the thing is, if you did that, then you wouldn't be one of the most influential indie horror films of the 1980s. <laughs> I mean, look, we can second-guess all we want, but this happens to be yep. one of the most influential indie horror movies of the 1980s. The back go. of the box said it, dude. There's nothing we can do about it now. <laughs> also, an unfortunate moment in this scene. They're strapped with like their hands up, you know, chained to the wall. Koenig's got some pit stains going on that you just can't unsee. <laughs> 
It's almost like the whole T-shirt is the sweat stain color of the T-shirt. And you can tell that's authentic. That's not like oh, yeah. his character's in distress. Let no. me just get you with the water bottle here real quick. No. This is authentic. This is like, it's 9.30 on a Saturday. We've been going at this movie all day. Yeah, sure. And now I'm just pitting out, chained to this wall. That's exactly what those pit stains say. It'd be great if he slips his doll hands out of this thing and then puts his hands on his ears like, What get me now, Khan? <laughs> Try getting your little worms in me now. And I think around now is when we get like the cut back to NASA and they're launching another spacecraft. They launched the <laughs> New York City's the Intrepid up because there. They know the orbiter is gone. Yeah. And yep. they're like, let's throw these two other people into the meat grinder of space. Again, only two <laughs> more people. Like, and again, here's the thing. If you had money for two launches, do them both at the same goddamn time. I need a whole team up there inve- investigating first contact with aliens. With hostile aliens. Yep. On the moon. <laughs> Sorry, it's you're, you're right. It's just ridiculous. Well, it's like we we don't want to waste the whole fleet. Like two at a time. <laughs> we'll see. Eventually, someone will be successful. It's not a log flu. More than two people can go on it at once. Yeah. <laughs> give me anything. Give me a give me a chappy esque robot. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we or, need to develop our own how, sass talking robot. How about that? A good robot versus a bad robot for the third act. Yep. Sure. So we launch. This thing up into space. The Intrepid goes up to maybe save the day. I mean, they don't know what happened to <laughs> they these people. They have no idea. Like, there's, it's insane. <laughs> so, and they brought even so three people go up first, and let, let's bring two more. We can only spare, we can't yeah. even spare three more. <laughs> and it's like the same day. It's, <laughs> it's like you just like maybe it's the next day on yeah. Earth or the or two days later. Top total. T- Listen, I don't know how much time they were spending in that pup tent igloo thing. <laughs> They could have spent the night. I don't know. I haven't seen them eat at all. No. no. Yeah. There's no eating at all. Well, in that tent, maybe something else. But let's move. <laughs> let's move along. I don't. Want, I don't. I don't want to summon the Cinemax beast again. <laughs> don't wake him. And Somebody say eating. <laughs> so, this spaceship's going up. Whatever. Walter Koenig and this woman are. They're trying to like figure out how they're going to get out of here, but they kind of resolve that they're not going to. The one thing that we, he says earlier on is, like, we have a special surprise for our alien friends, which we know exactly what that means, which means they brought up a nuclear warhead, obviously. Like that's, yeah, yep, yeah. That's, that's, that's what we're talking about. And so they go into another huge chamber, and there is their lunar module is, like, now affixed to the spacecraft. And this is... One of the single worst lines of dialogue in this movie. And I I have it written down, so I want to make sure I get it right. Because of all the terrible lines that he delivers in this movie. So, it's almost as if Walter Koenig's character is writing the tagline for the movie. Yep. Because he's talking about how, like, they took pieces from, you know, the the woman's spaceship. And he goes, and all they need is the last piece was our spacecraft. And they waited 14,000 years to take it. And I'm like, again, you are not an alienologist. You have no idea the intentions of these creatures, what the motivation is, what their backstory is. Nothing. You're just making shit up. If this woman could understand what you were saying, she'd be like, dude, you're kind of just full of it right now. How the fuck do you know any of what you're saying? 
and prove they, it to me. They're flying towards Earth at this point, too, right? That's the whole thing. They determine that, yeah. oh, now this thing's, like, activated. Oh, we're on a crash course for Earth. And heaven forbid if these really easily destroyed alien robots make it to Earth. I mean, literally, pop shots kill these things instantly. It's so insane you could kill them with a Dillinger. Or a Derringer, <laughs> yes. rather. Like... It's not like, you know, the aliens from Independence Day no. where it's like they have the crazy exoskeletons and they're, you know, they, they can't be killed with a gun. Here, here's a movie idea. You, you, they you better said, be sexy. <laughs> you said Dillinger could kill these things. Oh, right. How yeah. about, instead of cowboys and aliens, how about Dillin, John Dillinger, the gangster? Gangsters and aliens. Yes. Oh, Ooh, I like it. Babyface versus an alien. Yeah. <laughs> Al Capone bot. <laughs> Because he gets assimilated out of there. Oh, and they have, they have they, J. Edgar Hoover, like, reluctantly sides with them. And he's like, well, right. it's for the fate of the Earth. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. right. Exactly. Oh, I'd watch that movie, that's, Gangsters and Aliens. We may awesome. be pitching something to the Asylum right now. And if so, give us a, we all hate movies at gmail.com, the Asylum. Yeah, because yeah. You know, yeah, if, we, if we spot a Gangsters and Alien trailer next yep. year. Yep. Uh, fuck you, pay us. Yeah, totally, dude. You're going to be hearing from somebody related to us. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But just give us a call. That's all. We just want to talk about it. I just want to taste. It's a pretty good idea. Just a lick of the brass ring. Kind of better than most of the shit you put out. <laughs> so they're like, all right, we're going to launch off this warhead that's stuck to the module. The well, timer set- doesn't really have much of a choice. Well, she has no clue what's going on. Because he's jibbing at her, and she's like, sure, whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> his, his fucking space mail-order bride. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. Yeah, we'll, we'll confirm yeah. that in a couple scenes from now. So he, like, sets this thing to blow. It's five minutes, which, why? Sure. Like, if he he's assuming that they're going to sacrifice themselves. And he doesn't know about the other spaceship either. Correct. Anything. Yeah. Because how would he? <laughs> but how would they know what happened? It's, it's so... Wow, this movie's so dumb. So <laughs> then he, like, fires off a shotgun for some reason. Well, another alien attacks him, and he's like, oh, well, he, bullets stop you. And oh, right. <laughs> so then he realizes, like, when he fires off the gun, he'll get shot backwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, she grabs onto him, and he keeps firing this shotgun to, like, push themselves out of this cargo bay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... It's pretty much, I'm saying it now, this is the end of Independence Day, kind of. Yeah. We're racing out of here before There's, this thing goes off. That's another connection. You know? And every single movie is derived from Moontrap. So he keeps just, like, letting Buckshot go till they're, you know, safely out of the spacecraft. Safely out of a spacecraft that's about to explode from a nuclear weapon in space, Andrew? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just not sure. No. I, I I don't know the hard science behind it. Uh, I do, and they're dead. <laughs> yeah, There's dead. no way they're making well, this. Well, now let's see. Someone tweet at Neil deGrasse Tyson and see what he has to say I about it. I would love for him to fact check this movie. Oh, He's fact checked everything else. Dude, Neil deGrasse Tyson needs to fact check Moontrap. <laughs> let's get, to Let's him. do it. Yeah, everyone. What's his Twitter handle? At Neil Tyson, N-E-I-L-T-Y-S-O-N. All right, let's let's everybody do this and ask him very nicely to watch Moontrap, the best independent sci-fi horror film of its decade, and see see what kind of facts are adding up your science-wise. And now, folks, for him to respond to this, honestly, it can't be just a couple of, you know, diehard We Hate Movies fans, which would be nice. We need hundreds of people to do this. <laughs> totally. We know you're listening. 
just just do yeah, we know first. our own download numbers. There's way more of yeah. you than we talk to on social media. By the way, I've got the DVD. I could mail it to him. Totally. Yeah, he won't even have to spend a dime. Olive Films made a great, beautiful restoration of this shitty movie. <laughs> Actually, the cover of it is like Walter Koenig in a spacesuit. Oh, no, it's Bruce Campbell, Andrew. Oh, is it Bruce? I can't see it. It's upside down on the other side of the table. But what I will say about it, though, is it looks like a total ripoff of HBO's Generation Kill cover. (laughs) It looks exactly like it. So they blast off out of there. The thing goes off. They somehow survive. Luckily, that shuttle, the the next shuttle. The Intrepid doesn't blow up. But it's not like we would see any of that anyway. Because after that explosion, smash cut to Walter Koenig and this woman in his house. Uh, well, I will say, that before the smash cut, the explosion happens and there's nothing left of the spaceship at all. Like, literally zero, not even particles. It just Again, goes. Neil Tyson, you, you chime in here, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> there would be at least space debris. Erased <laughs> from existence. Yeah, sure. So they cut to, like... An episode of Dynasty because they're both in like <laughs> fancy wear and they're in this, some Arizona house like it's just a ranch home somewhere. Thankfully, the classical music levels have been you know taken down a little bit. Sure, but it's been like some time later because this woman's speaking English kind uh, of okay. NASA and the U.S. government just lets you take this woman to be your own little <laughs> sexual toy at home. Are you no, kidding? It's an alien. She <laughs> is good. At, yeah, she's going to Area Fifty One. Or at the very least, right Air Force Base in Ohio. And, Ooh, future case yeah. file. Oh, wrong show. Sorry. <laughs> and then she's being isolated. There's They're no cutting way. cutting her up like a turkey. I'm sorry. Yes. They're figuring it out. You're totally, right. Totally, dude. Giblets and all. <laughs> Poked, prodded. This is not your space bride. <laughs> Why does he get to marry this woman? It's or like, something? oh, wait a second. You fucked her on the moon? Sorry. All right. She, she's his, everybody. They consummated on the moon. Hey, I called dibs. I called dibs. If Kirk could get one, I can get one too. Okay, that's another thing. If they let her go and to to live on her own recognizance, that she right. she goes to live with him, she's not staying there. All right, guys, she's gonna see that there's other humans on the planet, and she's gonna move on. She's gonna realize our race isn't five foot four tall, and be like, oh wait, yeah. Actually, how cool would this be, though, right? You have this thing. They're dressed up in, like, fancy wear and uh-huh. just talking about their life together. We get that exposition where she says, like, what her race's yeah. space mission was, blah, 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 right? And then it's like, you know, but we'll be together forever, something like yeah. that. And we kind of, like, dissolve out. And you think we're going to dissolve out of a house, but it turns out. It's just the interior of a house, but they are trapped in a NASA base, and they're never let out, but it's just like they're going to live their lives kind of like cool kind of Twilight Zone ending. I would like that, yeah. Yeah. No, they're just living in the house from the Golden Girls. (laughs) (laughs) The Golden Palace? No, that was the hotel that they opened. I apologize. Dude, Gold. I have a Golden Palace story. I was just thinking about this the other day. So we were on the we were on the A train one. It was a number of years ago. We we're on the A train. Did I tell you this story one time? You told me this story. I'm like, did you tell it on the air? Maybe not. I don't I don't know if I did, but we're on the A train one time. My wife and I are going uptown and I'm just rambling on the train about Golden Palace and how like, you know, spin-offs never work. It was a bad idea. It was canceled almost immediately, blah, 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 blah. And keep in mind, gang, I'm a fan of the Golden Girls. Sure. Great sitcom, right? The train comes to a stop and the doors open and this guy gets up in my face and he's like, 
You have no idea what you were talking about. That is a generational show. That show was amazing. Those girls were great. The Golden Girls was fantastic. And like runs out of the, the train. And I was like, I was talking about the spinoff. Golden <laughs> Palace. It was terrible. This dude totally thought I was shit talking to Golden Girls. Who would ever do such a thing? Stupid. Ridiculous. Maybe monsters from the moon. But no, <laughs> no human would. So this, speaking of monsters from the moon, this poor woman's locked in his basement like it's Steven Seagal's house. <laughs> and that's like the yes. end of the movie. Maybe that's where the CIA agents are. They're, they're circling Koenig's house. They're like, all right, Koenig, <laughs> you can keep her. Yeah. But... You're being watched forever. Yeah, or something. And then you think it's the end of the movie, and it should be the end of the movie. It should. You know what? Like, Here's the thing. And I don't understand why we have to sometimes really telegraph sequels. Like, If if this movie was a smash success with this Walter Koenig space action movie was a smash (laughs) success that it demanded a sequel... You could totally do it. Another spaceship comes. Like something. You could just end this movie just regular schmegular, and then the next the next time you start this franchise up again, it's a spaceship. You want to know the perfect example? Independence Day, dude. Sure. That movie does not set up a sequel mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's just the end of that movie. Now we're getting this new movie. Jeff Goldblum's coming back. Sure. And I think Thor just got cast. Like. That's cool. Yeah. Like th- fine. I'll have another Independence Day 20 plus years later. That's great. But nowhere at the end of that movie is it like, the alien's still alive or whatever. Well, like we go this to like some, some garbage dump in Detroit. <laughs> it's and a like, junkyard. Yeah, just a junkyard. And a piece of the, the ship, which is, again, one of these little football things, which is like the egg of these robots or whatever, sure. has crash landed you know, from the explosion, it somehow survived, and it crash landed in this junkyard. And you see it open up, and it sticks its little head out like <laughs> credits. Speaking of Roland Emmerich, that's the end of Godzilla as well. The, yet another movie connection, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. The, the, the egg eggs. pops open. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're totally this right. Is the God origin damn it. of everything. So, so that's not the end it, of it. Though. You're like praying it's the end of this movie. With this more, Dude, oh, I hit the know, stop button on my DVD. What? Steve Sadak. You got to start watching the credits, man. This is insane. It's, what? I, I this movie has it's got the biggest balls I've ever seen on a movie because it has the audacity to set up a sequel twice. No way. Yeah, I, I, that's why I didn't even watch the credit credits because I was like, you know what? You did your terrible work and did it. Steve, nope. you know how hidden this is? This is like two to three minutes into the credits. Oh, okay. Because I watched like, like right forty at, seconds of the credits. It's right at the end. You hear, and it's kind of funny if you imagine the setup for it, right? It's Walter Koenig is calling NASA. And he's just like, hello, it's me, Chekhov. NASA? Good. Uh, any, any remains from that spaceship fall down yet? And the guy's like, no, I keep telling you, there's nothing. And he's like, oh, all right, are you sure? Okay. All right, well, you'll hear from me again. And the guy's like, I'm sure I will. Oh, you will. He keeps calling them because he's, you know what, Steve? He's just a suspicious little astronaut. That's Uh, like so like not only are these alien robots coming back to terrorize Earth. Yeah. They're going to, Chekhov's going to be there for it. Oh, he'd he'd have to be, Don't worry about it. Not only are they going to come back to terrorize Earth, he's going to keep coming back to terrorize the NASA phone board. (laughs) And that woman he's living with. The balls on this movie well there is a sequel guys yeah let's talk about this because everybody's just been holding their breath there is a sequel it's announced at least it's yeah okay 
Apparently, they tried it a couple of times. It didn't work, uh, but now they've got something. The Wikipedia is telling me it exists, or it will exist. Uh-huh. Uh, on it, as of early 2014, the project was resurrected under a new name with a Facebook account called Moontrap Target Earth. Hey, you know what uh, the first sign of a legitimate movie is? When it pops up its own Facebook page. <laughs> The cast includes somebody named Sarah Butler as Scout, the main character. Charles Shaughnessy is Richard Contral. Charles Shaughnessy, do you know who that is? No. It's Mr. Sheffield from The Nanny. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. They, they find That's, There's your check off. Orlean's pissy boss from Mad Men. Yes. You're to- yep, you're oh, totally right. Great call. Yeah. Um, also, uh, did I remember reading something about they tried to get a Kickstarter going for a comic book adaptation? Oh, yeah, that failed. failed. Oh, it failed. It just ran right into the ground. Huh? Like, well, they, they think Moontrap matters more than it does. No, you know, maybe maybe we're just wrong on this, gang. And We might get a bunch of hate mail for this episode. Well, listen, none of us had heard of this movie. Is it a big deal? Do any of you out there give a shit about Moontrap? Maybe it is one of the most influential movies of the 1980s, and I'm not unaware of it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe we just missed a day at school. Is this character more influential than Chekhov? I didn't watch a lot of Cinemax. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I would. And it's a perfect film. Bring on Moontrap 2. <laughs> the titty invasion. <laughs> would anybody recommend Moontrap 1? No. <laughs> I, I, I thought... I, I mean, the movie's kind of dull in between the... The broad strokes are great, but I feel yeah. like the... the but the, act- the, the detail of the, the canvas yeah, you're saying? It doesn't do much, and Walter Koenig is really a poor choice for just about <laughs> anything. Aside from, like, the sixth build character in a science fiction franchise. Uh-huh. It, it just didn't do it for me, but it, it is kind of fun. I would recommend it, just because it's dumb. I would, I would say get a lot of people... Yeah. Get some tall glasses of beer or water. Oh, and, yeah. Um, Either or, both. Yeah, and, you know, it's just... Low budget nonsense. This is a hardcore recommendation for me. Wow. Man, this is, I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> come equipped with a tall glass of water. Just laugh at this movie. This movie is so terrible. I don't know how it influenced anything other than people making sci fi and horror movies after this mm-hmm. looked at Moontrap and said, let's not make Moontrap. <laughs> let's do yeah. our damnedest to make our movie better than Moontrap. And then you got Prometheus. Yeah, exactly. We got Prometheus, Event Horizon, Sunshine, all of these space horror movies, you know? Yeah, hardcore recommend for me. I'll see what this sequel has to say. Oh, Target Earth? You know what? We should make a pack. We should go see it in the theater. The if, theater. If, yeah, the theater. The VOD. If yeah. and when it, sh- it shows up. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll catch it on the VOD. You know, we'll catch it on Cinemax. <laughs> <laughs> That's Moontrap from 1989, directed by Robert Dyke. I've been calling him Bob Dyke this whole time, like I'm a neighbor hey, or something. Yeah, no, oh, Robert- hey, Bob, how's that Moontrap 2 coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he is behind it, by the way. I'm sure he is. He's the one oh, carrying shit. that Moontrap torch. Is Tex Ragdoll behind it, too? <laughs> Tex Ragsdale. But Tex Ragdoll... Awesome name for a little, like, stuffed cowboy character. <laughs> Dude, we could get a WHM toy line going. Yeah. Tex Ragdoll. 
<laughs> yes, directed by Robert Dyke, written by Tex Ragsdale, starring Chekhov and Bruce Campbell. If you want to get a hold of us, check out our website, whmpodcast.com. Check us out on the Sideshow Network, sideshownetwork.tv, along with all the other great shows on the network. Right into the mailbag, we all hate movies at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're at WHM Podcast. Uh, and just. Uh... If you want more moon talk and weird things, <laughs> check out Blame It on Outer Space, another podcast that uh, yes, yeah, that I that that's that someone close to me does. Yeah, it's another guy named Eric, which is interesting. Do you want to for for our new sideshow audience? Right. Would you want to explain a little bit about this other show? Well, it takes place in an alternate dimension, right? And um, it's about conspiracy theories and the paranormal. We kind of examine them. It's yeah. pretty ridiculous. We had we had a recent episode on water fluoridation. With Lionel from the WPix News. No one outside of the five boroughs of New York City knows what you're doing. Oh, I was so excited about that episode, and I love it. It's so he's, great. He's, he's a weird, interesting guy that has some opinions, and uh, you know, check it out. <laughs> he's blamingonouterspace.com. There you go. Also, we hate movies fans should check out our uh, subreddit, uh, reddit.com. Slash R slash We Hate Movies. There you go. It's really coming along. We got a lot of people there talking about every single episode that comes out. I got to tell you, man, like we have we have some of the best fans out there, like fans money can buy or money can't buy, I guess. We have not bought a fan yet. Don't no. even start that rumor. We, no, we don't pay anybody. Not. Yeah, no, no. The, you know, the check is not in the mail. Folks. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll edit that. We have uh, the best fans quality podcasting can buy. Because uh, this this subreddit, man, there is some dedication on there. It's cooking. It's really cooking. It's cooking with gas now. So go on there. If you're on Reddit, check it out. The community is really blowing up. And if you're anywhere near Cambridge, Massachusetts this Saturday, or you plan on being anywhere near it, go on to brownpapertickets.wehatemovies. Not at all. <laughs> WHMpodcast.brownpapertickets.com. Order yourself a ticket to our Green Lantern conversation. It's going to be a total blast. It's total. Sold out. Sold out. It's a, it's one of our out of town shows. We have a lot of fun at those. Yeah, yeah exactly and, right. And, and you know these things don't come around all the time. You They're know? coming Take, around more and more. But you right, know, but, but, you still got to. It's kind of like the circus, man. Yeah. Circus isn't around every week. It's not like 162 games in a baseball season. No, not at all. And, you know. Well, also people always say like, "How can I support your podcast more?" I sure. love it. Live shows is probably the best way to do it. And bring some friends who don't know what the podcast is. Spreading the good WHM word. All right. Clue for next week's episode, Steve Sadak. An untouchable shows up. An untouchable. One of the untouchables is in a movie that we're going to talk about next week. So until then, when we're bringing a knife to a gunfight, I'm Andrew Jupin. Eric Siska. Steve Sadak. Take it easy.